I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Healy's away. Australia away. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. And welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. My name is Emily Collin and I'm joined as always by women's cricket editor for cricket.com.au, Laura Jolly. LJ, on today's show, we've got Chris and Beams as always to join us to chat through how things are placed heading into the back end of the tournament, as well as Sydney Sixers all-rounder Nicole Bolton. But before that, LJ, let's just firstly touch on today's announcement that the first ever Big Bash First Nations round will take place in Mackay and Adelaide from November 17th till November 21. I think this has been a long time coming, LJ, and I, for one, am absolutely pumped. I love to see all eight teams getting involved with the uh, Indigenous kits, and I'm just so excited for what this, this round's going to mean to so many people. Yeah, it's so exciting. And we got a little taste of it last year when ADOC Week fell during the WBBL. So we had the First Nations Festival of Cricket. But to see a full round dedicated, all eight teams going to be wearing their Indigenous kits, it's going to be so exciting to see. And as Ashley Gardner was saying today at the launch, when she grew up, she didn't have any Indigenous role models to look up to in cricket. And um, these days there, there are a bunch of them. And as Ash said, she can't wait for 10, 15 years down the track when there's way more Indigenous players involved in the Big Bash Leagues. 100%. This is just a starting point and it's going to be so exciting to see, see it all come to life. But LJ, what was your highlight of the week from the last however many matches we saw over the last week? There've been a lot of matches and yes. I'm trying to remind myself of everything that has happened. Uh, but what I, what I complained about last week was the lack of runs from Meg Lenning and she has produced some runs, massive innings against the strikers on Saturday at Karen Rolson Oval, which we absolutely love to see. And um, hopefully there's more from that of that to come from Meg. Hopefully. And what was your moment, Em? Uh, my favourite moment of the week was it came late on a Sunday afternoon. It was Taylor Valemic at the Wacker steaming into Sophie Devine and she just delivered an absolute peach. And Sophie Devine's reaction was, I mean, it was just, there was nothing else she could do but just <laughs> nod back at Tay and say, yep, you got me. And then she just <laughs> sort of tucked her bat under her arm and, and walked off of the Wacker and it was just great. Like when you see Taylor Valemic bowling like that, it's just, it's so good to see. And it's been really good to see her at her best throughout this tournament. So it was I absolutely love that and hopefully plenty more of that to come from Taylor and the Hurricanes. But for now, let's get to Beamsy, followed by Nicole Bolton. 
Kristen Beams, great to have you back on the Scoop podcast once again. Beamsy, I guess this is what we call the business end of the tournament. So there were a lot of matches last week and a lot still to come. But did you have a favourite moment from the last week that you really enjoyed watching? Yeah, what an amazing week it's been. Uh, look, I, I'm a big fan of Sophie Devine, so I loved seeing her bombing sixes into the construction area. Not so great for the hurricane, so I was a little bit torn on that. Um, but I think we're just starting to see the best in some of these really elite players in the competition. I think we're going to see them perform in the back end, and that's what makes this competition so exciting. And, um, yeah, this is the business end, so it's right when every team wants to be hitting peak form and, and really be peaking heading into finals. Last time we spoke, the the Heat were looking good. Now the Gades are on top of the table. Are the Heat still your front runner, or is your thinking changed? Yeah, I still think the Heat, uh, I think diversity-wise, have the best list for me. I think that they can be good in any conditions, and I think they can be good against any opposition. I think the Renegades are in outstanding touch, and they've just got to ride that momentum as they lead into the business end. I think based on the number of wins they've got so far, it would be hard to, to see them not playing in the finals. So I think it's just going to be consistency for them at the business end, but there's some teams gaining some momentum in the lead-in as well. I think the Scorch is showing us some glimpses of, of what's possible as well, and We've barely seen the Sixers, so um, mm. they've been a long time between games. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing how they come out the other side in Adelaide as well. Yeah, nice. And over the last couple of last week or so, we've been we've both just been marvelling at the way Harman Preetcore is playing, the way she's striking the ball, as well as the way she's bowling. Is she currently your front runner for player of the tournament? Slash, have you enjoyed watching her as much as we have been? Yeah, I think she is. I think she has the ability to take the game away from any opposition. And we've seen her do that for India against Australia so many times. So I think Harman Preetkor is probably going to be the difference between the Renegades being really mm-hmm. successful in the finals or not. Yeah. Um, and let, we haven't even started talking about Rodrigues yet. So the combination of those two plays is probably makes Harman Preetkor even better. And speaking of the Gates as well, Sophie Molyneux is leading them really well at the moment and bowling really well. Um, have you enjoyed seeing the way she's been handling herself this tournament? Yeah, it seems like everything that Sophie touches turns to gold at the moment. And that's such a an important thing as a captain. I think there's so many times that you're making those gut call decisions and you don't know which way they're going to go. And I think she's made the right decisions at the right times for, for the Renegades. And they're obviously really enjoying playing under her. They look like a, a happy team on field and off field. So I think Sophie Molyneux is doing a, a great job. I think there's always been talk about her being a, a really good leader. And I think we've seen that um, so it's great to see her in charge of the Renegades. Yeah, on, the, on that note of off-spinners, Beamsy, the off-spinners have been really dominating this tournament between the likes of Lily Mills, Harman Preet Kaur, Sophie Molyneux, of course, as well as Jono and Molly Strano. They're all picking up plenty of wickets. Why, from your perspective, why do you reckon the off-spinners have been so successful throughout WBBL 07 so far? I think they've just been so consistent. I think particularly the left-arm orthodox, the additional angle. So they're always angling into your stumps. And we've seen Jess Jonathan dominate over a long period of time. I think Sam Bates has, has done the same job for, for the Thunder as well. So I think the angle along with the, the consistency and the accuracy has been really important. And I reckon they're tough overs to come up against in power plays. We've seen Nicole Bolton, um, who snuck in and bowled quite a few overs for the sixes in the power play as well. So I think any time you can get through any spin overs, particularly with your off spinners through the power play, it seems like all of a sudden it's like bang, 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 the overs done and dusted. And I think that's, that's really important for teams. There's nothing worse than looking up and going, oh, wow, there's four of us gone in the power play and we're only on 10 or 12 runs. And that is what the those off spinners can do. We've also seen them all bowl in three phases of the game. So what a what a gift for mm. a captain knowing that you can come back and have your off spinner bowl in the last couple of overs and do that successfully. 
Um, so they've been all been outstanding so far. Have you had a favourite Beamsy, a favourite Offie throughout the tournament so far? Well, I think the one that seems really, I mean, I'm a big, big Jono fan. So I think it's been so good to see her dominate um, off the back of injury. But I think Sam Bates is someone who just goes consistently under the radar for the Thunder. And I think I've probably been the most impressed with her because it seems like no one's talking about her. There's a lot of talk about the Lily Mills, Jess Jonathan, Sophie Molyneux. But I think that for me, Sam Bates just goes under the, under the radar and does a, a really, really good job for the Thunder. So um, she gets the tick for me. And your stars couldn't get it done in the derby yesterday, but you were right with your prediction about Meg hitting back with some form. Did anything strike you as different about the way Meg was batting on Saturday when she scored that 80-82? I think for me, it just looked like she was going to grit her teeth and get it done. Um, <laughs> I think that determined look that she had on her face, I think that just said that she, today was the day that she was going to score runs. And I mean, it's nice to be that talented that you can actually have those days where you wake up and <laughs> You're eating your breakfast and go right today's the day I'm gonna I'm gonna dominate um, and she was able to do that and I think that's been really important and she knows that she's gonna have to consistently do that for the stars if they're to have any chance in this competition so um, disappointing in the derby I think the the renegades have an unbelievable record over the stars so um, and that has been not dependent on which team has been going better in each WBBL so they've had the wood over the stars for a, for a long time but really nice to see Meg doing well and um, there was a lot of very bullish shots um, from, from Meg Lanning. So I'm looking forward to seeing that at the back end of this tournament. Yeah, it was. we were talking last week, I think, about it was always going to be unfortunate, the team that had to come up against Meg when she was in that mood. And it was the Strikers on Saturday. And on the Strikers, they had a pretty hot start to the tournament, but they've, they've had four straight losses. And I guess they've been a little bit unlucky coming up against Meg and then Harmon Preet in the game before that. But what do you reckon has been lacking for the Strikers in the last couple of weeks? I think they've probably been riding the back of red hot form from Talia McGrath mm. and she's been a little bit quiet in, in this middle part and I think the the rest of the strikers lineup it's actually just about saying well we got to pick up the slack a little bit you can't always have that ex- expectation that your top players are going to perform every time so I think it's just about getting a little bit consistency through that that middle order a little bit more just to, to give them a little bit um, and I think that's going to be really important for the, the strikers moving forward. Probably just a bit more of an even contribution. I've loved Megan Shoot mm. coming back into the lineup and there's no doubt that Talia McGrath is going to make more runs as this tournament progresses. But I think that's that thing about getting to the business end of the tournament. You want mm. a few more contributions through your batting lineup and, and that's probably just what's been missing for the strikers. Now looking at the scorchers, um, when they're on, they're just on <laughs> by the looks of it. Uh, Beth Mooney hit a ton. Marazan Cap almost had five wickets, but then they also couldn't get over the line against the Hurricanes in that final over the day before. Do you think there's an issue there with consistency that they'll need to address going into the, the back end? I think similar to the strikers, they probably just like a few more contributions through the middle. I'd love to see them chase down a, a 140, a 150 with Divine and Mooney not making runs. I, I think that'll actually be really important for their confidence leading into finals. Because what you also want out of the Mooney-Divine combination is you want them to take the game on. You want them to try and mm. break open the game. You want them to blow teams out of the water in that power play without that fear that if they get out, they can't get the job done. So mm. I think for the Scorchers, if they can find a little game, a little gritty game where, you know, Paparo, Carmichael, Cap come off in, in that middle part, I think it'll just give them really good confidence and give Mooney and Divine confidence to just go for it in the back end. And I think if they do that, the Scorchers can win this competition because they'll post very, very big totals if Divine goes. Absolutely. And last question for you, Beamsy. Have you ever played with a broken finger? And can you just give our listeners a sense of how hard it would have been for Rachel Priest to come out and score what was a really important half century for the Hurricanes with a broken finger? Not to mention the keeping as well. Yeah, I have played with a broken finger, but only a pinky. And a, mm. a breaking your pinky finger is nothing compared to breaking an index finger. 
Um, and I've seen the x-ray. Um, I've had a little yeah. bit of a look at it. That's a horrendous break um, to do that to bat. I don't even know how she holds a bat. Um, I think for most people that break a finger, they go down the lineup, they field it short fine. They keep themselves, you know, totally out of being anywhere important. But instead, we've seen Rachel Pace open the batting. We've seen her keep. We've seen her keep up to the paces. The courage to do that is unlike anything I've ever seen. She is, without a doubt, the the grittiest player, I think, playing in this competition right now. So I take my hat off to Rachel Priest. I could not do what she's doing, and I don't think anyone else could in this competition. Yeah, it's, it was pretty unbelievable to watch. Beamsy, thank you so much for joining us, as always, and thanks for squeezing us in. We know you're at Perth Airport on the way to Mackay. Uh, we hope you enjoy your travels and look forward to chatting next week. Thanks, guys. Let's hope Billy doesn't cry at all on this flight. Fingers crossed. Go, Billy Beams. <laughs> And Nicole Bolton, one of the greats, we're so pumped to have you on the Scoop podcast. We've been wanting to have you on for a while. Bolts, we missed you in the Sixers this weekend. Was it nice to get a, a bit of a breather as we head into the, the back end of WBBL 07? And how, how are all the Sixers girls feeling? Yeah, I think we were pretty keen um, once we left Perth to sort of, you know, relax a little bit, get away from it. It's been pretty full on first part of the tournament. So we're pretty lucky that we had a fair few days off before we sort of get back into things. So the girls have just been kicking back over the weekend, doing whatever they need to do to fill their cups and um, had a nice run around today. I actually hadn't seen some of the girls in two days. So uh, <laughs> you can imagine Stella Campbell was up and about. So <laughs> that's a long time in WBBL, two days. Yeah, that's it is. It's not like you bump into them uh, every morning like it was in the yeah. hub. So it was a little bit refreshing for us older girls to probably uh, spend a little bit more time in our own space. Nice. And how have you adjusted to life in Magenta? Yeah, I think it's, um, I think when I first got the uniform and I've told this story a fair bit that um, I sort of looked at it and I sort of was like, oh, what, what have I done? <laughs> was just more more to the point where it was just so pink and it's really in your face and um I just never really um saw myself outside of the orange so um but you know I've taken it on in my stride and I've had you know Shafali and and Rada and and also Mado make the shift over to Magenta so um, we've sort of taken it on ourselves to really own it and um the girls and the staff have been so welcoming so I'm I'm pretty lucky that I've being a part of this team. And I know you've been asked this a few times, but can you tell us about why you made the move and, and what made you want to go to the Sixers? Yeah, I think, um, you know, reflecting on the end of last year, it was pretty challenging, I think, for everyone um, involved. But obviously it was great to, to get the tournament up and running. And I think, um, you know, Benny Sawyer sort of approached me um, and said, oh, there might be an opportunity if you're keen for a, a shift. And to be honest, I'd never really thought about playing for anyone else other than the Scorchers. And I think, um, you know, sitting back after speaking to Benny, I've spent a bit of time in the Aussie program and and thinking, oh, geez, to be able to sort of um, play alongside Heels, Bushy, um, Ash Gardner and, and Pez, um, which are three of my really closest mates in that Aussie program, it was probably too good an opportunity. And, and obviously I'm really uh, close with some of the other girls in, in Andrique. So I just thought it was a fresh change coming towards the back end of my career. It probably felt a little bit, um, I guess, uh, a bland when you're sort of in the same program for so many years, things can get uh, really monotonous. And I think... Um, in a sense, I probably outgrew the program in, in, in the Scorchers set up and the program probably outgrew me. So, um, you know, I felt that 
making this change um, has really reinvigorated um, my love for the game, but but also I think it's bringing the best out of me as a person as well. Yeah, that's awesome to hear, Bolts, and great to hear that you've got no regrets to, for donning that magenta and you're someone that always <laughs> always looks like you're having fun when you're playing cricket. You're such a live wire in the field and just always got a smile on your face. How are you feeling about your cricket and how are you feeling about your own form in the tournament so far? Yeah, I think... Um, I'm actually feeling really positive for the first time. I know this format's probably been something that I haven't quite um, nailed in a sense. I've sort of had different roles across, um, you know, um, my career so far. And I think I feel really settled in, in what I can offer this group. And, and Benny's been really clear with me, the role that he sort of sees me fitting. And I think I've just really taken it in my stride and, and felt like I can really offer something. And I think that really helps in terms of, giving you that sense of purpose um, and belonging within a group. And, um, yeah, I guess you can see that in the way that I'm playing my cricket. Um, I'm a, a lot more freer. Um, I don't have the the sort of uh, the burden of uh, national selection and everything that, you know, those uh, girls that are aspiring mm-hmm. to probably do. And I can just go out there and, and play the way that I want to play. And um, I guess it makes it more enjoyable when um, you're a part of a, an outstanding outfit that, you know, the Sydney Sixers have been for, um, you know, many years. And it's kind of proved almost a genius move by Ben Sawyer, given what's happened with Aaron Burns and her being unable to join the squad. Have you guys been in touch with Burnsy? Are you keeping in touch with her through the tournament? Yeah, it's been, um, you know, pretty, I guess, devastating for, for Burnsy not to be a part Um and obviously she's so valued amongst this group and provides so much experience. And I think um, she's been sorely missed so far. And I think we've sort of been keeping her in and around the group as much as we can. I mean, she provides some some witty remarks in our WhatsApp, which is keeping us entertained. And and I don't know if you've noticed, but the last few games from um, since our <coughs> Indigenous round against the Scorchers in Perth, we actually... Um, brought out the Burnsy shirt and made up this little makeshift um, Aaron Burns. And I think um, it really touched a, a soft spot for Burnsy. And um, Ange has actually printed out this really big poster of Aaron Burns taking it <laughs> one of her amazing patches that we're going to put oh, up that's as well so as good. shirts. Um, you know, as much as it, it's a shame that she hasn't been able to be a part of this tournament so far, Um you know, she's still very much with us and, you know, who knows where the tournament's going to end up. So her fingers are crossed that she still might take some part in it. Oh, uh, yeah, we definitely miss seeing Burnsy, you know, taking her, those stellar catches, but she has been providing. It's so good to hear Burnsy try and uh, give the unbiased commentary for Fox when she's when she's on the Sixers game. It's been really good. Uh, yeah. uh, Bolts, we want to talk about a particular catch that uh, we saw last week so Rachel Priest absolutely spanked it to you in the field can you talk us through that catch and the reaction times that are needed for a catch like that and now Priest with a big swing of the bat and what a catch that is from Nicole Bolton on her home turf that is an absolute special well the funny um lead on into the catch was um I said to Midge I'll go down to third man to get um, our outfielders out on the boundary. And um, she's like, no, 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 you need to stay in the ring, stay at mid-wicket and hold the circle because if, uh, if there's a catch going to be there, like like we need you to be able to create an opportunity. And I was mm-hmm. like, yep, no worries. And anyway, so I was just sort of waiting on the, on the ring and um, you never really expect Precy to miss hit one because she's no. in that bloody good <laughs> 
moment. So, Even with a broken um, finger. Oh, I know. You just can't can't stop her. So it's just one of those things that you you spend so much time fielding and I've done a hell of a lot throughout my career and those are the catches that when you do take them, um, it makes all those hours of fine-tuning, um, you know, your skill set worth it. And I think um, I was a little bit probably more surprised that I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> judging by my reaction yeah, but reaction was so good. Pez actually said at the halftime she's like we actually re- need something really special here because like the game is in the balance and priesty mm. um, being priesty really take it away in a couple of overs so um you know i felt that i a little bit to to midge and pez they gave me that jeer up that i needed uh-huh. to uh be able to in that in that position how was the hand afterwards oh mate i didn't care if i broke a finger or whatever <laughs> you took the wicket I'd, I'd still walk out there and and be fine but yeah it's just one of those ones they stick and i don't have the biggest hands so i get a lot of <laughs> stick my chipolatas but i tell you what i like to think they're a bit sticky so that yeah. helps me and you you mentioned the fact that pairs and midge are two of your great mates what are they like as teammates at, around at the sixes oh they've been fantastic and i think um, you know, we can't underestimate they've been on the road and even Bushy and, and Mado and, and Stella, they've been on the road since the Indian series and the Indian girls as well. And I think by the time the Big Bash finishes, um, it'll be 13 weeks since they've been home. So for them to be up and about, provide experience to our younger players and even for me, I still am learning so much about my game and to be able to talk it through with players like those two that have been there and done that. Um, it's just been incredible. I think they're two outstanding leaders of this team and um, you sort of walk a little bit taller when you go out onto the field with them. Yeah, nice. And it seems like um, when you guys haven't been playing cricket that the Sixers have been playing a bit of golf. How's your own form? And is there a standout golfer at the Sydney Sixers? Oh, how's my own form? Well, I shot <laughs> I shot 108 right. playing at Lake Karen. So, and, the, and the funny <laughs> thing with that is, could be worse. Well, it could be worse, but I, I shot worse. 54 in the first um, nine. And the second nine I finished and I was like, tomato, geez, I reckon my six, uh, my second nine was pretty good and it was the same. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, but I tell you what, um, best golfers here, Maitland Brown. Oh, my God. Uh, I was privy to watching her bomb a few um and obviously heels mm-hmm. plays regularly she's actually out on the course with uh kate <clears throat> the aussie physio at the moment so i think those two girls are pretty outstanding golfers and i'm just sort of one that yeah i'm just happy to go along for the ride <laughs> well it's nice that you can do that sort of stuff this year as as opposed to last year so take what you can yeah, get <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah and you mentioned you guys had a, a weekend off and you could the older girls got to have a bit of alone time. Um, what do you like to do with your downtime and when you're away from cricket? Yeah, I think for me normally um, what's been working well for me so far being away is I, I do a little bit of yoga. So actually um, I've got a really good app that I just sort of use and spend, you know, anywhere to 45 to an hour um, just doing a class and, and getting my body going, but also just sort of having that opportunity to stop Um and then for me and some of the other girls like Ange, we're still sort of um, working as well. So I think the weekend gave us a, a little bit of a opportunity to catch up on some work back home, attend to some emails and, and make sure that we're still on top of things so it doesn't get too overwhelming when we do get back. So um, I know a lot of the girls, myself included, lo- love a decent coffee. So any chance to be able to find the best 
coffees in Adelaide and go for a walk. That's probably on the on the list of things to do as well. Beautiful. And it must have been nice, Bolts, to get down to Perth. We know you're a proud WA girl. How was it to be back on deck at the Wacker and, and Lilac Hill? Oh, I tell you what, winning at Lilac <laughs> against the Scorchers was probably the highlight so far <laughs> of my WA um, It was what, what an amazing day. It, it was such a great day because we had <clears throat> obviously the welcome to country, the Indigenous shirts. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of um, people that had turned out across the two days and and we had a, you know, a massive crowd. And I think um, it was just set up for a really great contest. And I think, um, you know, we seem to have turned a fair few supporters over to the Magenta, which was good. Uh, they actually weren't getting into, into the Magenta. They were actually really supportive. So that was that was nice to see. And um, and then to finish up with a win at the Wacker, um, yeah, probably my last game at the Wacker. So that was pretty special. And and I'm glad it sort of has kick-started us heading into the second half of the season. Yeah, was that a bit emotional? And did you quickly check the fixture when it came out to see if you get to play at the Wacker once more? Yeah, I sort of um, haven't really been thinking too much about it. And I guess someone said to me, one of the umpires actually said, oh, um, you know, this is the last time I'll umpire you on the Wacker. And I was like, oh, geez, mate, like the game's still going. Way to get a girl to get emotional. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was awesome. Like my whole family came out again. Um, they were all trying to don the magenta or something pink. And, Bless. Um, it, yeah, it was just a pleasure to play on uh, such a great ground that's really iconic in, in Perth and somewhere I played a lot of cricket. So, yeah, you know, never say never. Might be a final back there. We don't yeah. know, but. Um, yeah, I'm glad I went out on top on, on the Wacker. And Bolts, you made your debut for WA back in 2005. I'm sure it must have been a really tough and emotional decision to retire from uh, state cricket, but can you talk us through that decision? Yeah, I think it's um, sort of been something that has been lingering away at me probably since I stopped playing for Australia. And, um, you know, I sort of was waiting for something else to sort of come to the fore in my life that would give me a, that sense of purpose. And I think last year I really struggled because all I had was state cricket and I didn't have a lot of other interest and purpose outside. And um, I got quite down about it. And I think I sort of made it my goal that during the off season, I was going to put myself out there, um, see if I could sort of get some work and, and get into a field that I'm really passionate about and that, and that's sport. And I think, um, you know, I applied for a couple of jobs in the same organisation and um, lucky enough that I was able to um, to get the role that I'm in now. And the WACA and the WA Footy Commission have been massive supporters of me and, and providing opportunity for me to do both. And I think where the decision was to, to give away cricket just sort of felt I was probably lingering sorry, probably going more towards uh, work and being really passionate about um, sort of going into that um, as the next phase of my life. And I found it really hard to keep fronting up to train at the level that was required to play state cricket. So um, I think anyone that knows me well enough, if if I can't put something in 100%, then um, I find it really difficult to do. And I think I was probably second guessing myself a lot. So in that sense, um, you know, I'm really excited about this next chapter. Um, I'm forever grateful for the Wacker for, um, you know, what they've done for me in my cricket and providing that support. And, and it is sad to, to finish up on, on these terms as I still feel I've got a lot of cricket to play, but that's why it's so fantastic that 
the the Sixers have given me this opportunity over the next couple of years to to still play at a competitive level. Yeah, that that was one question we were going to ask you. We want to make sure that you this wasn't your last WBBL season. We know you've signed <laughs> a two-year deal with the Sixers. Um, is that still your plan? Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, yeah, like I sort of alluded to before, I feel like. Um, I've still got a lot of cricket to give and um, I'm really enjoying um, this new environment. So hopefully I can keep playing um, for as long as they'll have me. And I think six six to eight weeks is perfect for me. It means I can really um, sort of, you know, put my head in my work and, and do what's required there and set myself up really well off the field and then have that little little bit of that carrot of cricket um, to look forward to and train and prepare myself. And I think... Um, Benny and, and Pez and, and the rest of the Sixers um, they really trust that I know what I need to do to be able to front up and, and perform. So um, that's always reassuring. And, and now I've just got a bit more time to spend with my loved ones and, and do things that I want to do. No more 2Kers, no more fitness <laughs> testing. Beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. I'm probably going to go a bit rogue, to be honest. <laughs> Sounds like you'll just have the perfect balance. Yeah. I can't wait. Like, it's just going to be so refreshing. And I think, um, yeah, I think I'm in a really happy place at the moment. So that's the most important thing. Oh, awesome. That's really good to hear. And Bolts, so you donned the green and gold on 55 occasions, which is no mean feat. First of those, you made history by by scoring a ton on debut, which is something that not many people have done. How do you reflect on your career in international cricket? You know, the places you've been, the people you've met, is it something that you look back on really fondly? I think now I do. I think when you're in the bubble um, and I've said this a lot to Mm. family and friends um, because they always say to me, you know, you're living the dream. Like, this is amazing. And I said, this is great, but I'm so stressed. Like (laughs) you, you have to like, sometimes it's really hard to stop and smell the roses because you're worried about performing at that level, keeping your spot, um, what's around the corner and you can get really um, futuristic in, in how you apply yourself. And I think at times that was really unraveling for me and um, found it really difficult at different times in my career to sort of step back and just really accept um, what I was doing and how great it was. Um, I think now I'm in a position where I sort of look back and I go, geez, like, you know, being the last, <clears throat> you know, well, besides Heather Graham, the last WA player to play for Australia and, and to play on 55 occasions is incredible. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful that I was able to do that. It's something I worked so hard to be able to do and to play consistently at that level for five or six years, I never thought I'd be able to um, achieve that. And I think some of the people and staff that I've met along the way, um, geez, like I've learned so much and more importantly, the people. And I think some of my best mates are in that program. And um, to this day, you know, we still touch base and I know everyone's having a bloody baby at the moment. That just goes to show how old <laughs> it's a boom, isn't it? Um, I know there's something in the waters there, but um yeah, it's just fantastic that everyone, you sort of see everyone's development as a person. I think that's the biggest thing because it's like being at school, like you go through the years together and um, now we've got that, you know, new generation of players mm-hmm. coming through, which is really exciting. And, um, you know, I can sort of sit back and, and say that, you know, I've won an Ashes, I've been a part of winning World Cups um, and, yeah, life's pretty good. And I know um, a couple of months ago when you announced your WA retirement 
I got extremely emotional watching that speech <laughs> and what you said and what Christina Matthews said when she called you WA's greatest player. Um, what did it mean to you to play cricket for WA and particularly to win that title a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think um, playing cricket for WA means so much to me. I have so much pride in wearing the yellow and black and being able to call the whack of my home for that amount of time. Um, I've, I find myself truly blessed to be able to have had that opportunity. And um, it was just really fortunate in sort of the later half of my career, Christina came on board at the Wacker and really turned it on its head and, and invested a lot of time into women's cricket. And I don't think if it was, if it wasn't for her and, the people she got involved at the time that I wouldn't have been able to achieve um, the feats that I have from an international point of view. So I feel I'm, I'm forever indebted to the WACA for being able to provide that avenue for me to reach my goals. And I think that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, I can actually say that I've gone through the pathways to be able to achieve what I've wanted to achieve. So, yeah, and to, to win the Ruth Pretty, I actually never in my wildest dreams thought we were ever going to win it. I remember telling the story that when I first played for WA, we didn't even have a team song because we never used to oh, win. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we, we used to we used to go seasons where we wouldn't win a game oh. and it was like you know it was just the norm like you just sort of rock up and WA here we go again and um and then we started I remember we started beating some big states in New South and Vic on the once off and and then that was it and then nothing really happened um and then Steve Jenkin who was instrumental for our group at the time came on board and actually um you know, sort of instilled a lot of work ethic into the group. And we actually got into a fair few finals, um, probably before we were ready. But in saying that, it was the, probably the first taste of what success could look like. And then obviously flow on from that, Lisa Kitely being a really successful Australian player, successful coach for the Breakers in Australia. Um, she was instrumental in setting up a, a program for a, from an administration and resource point of view that, is going to always give us the best chance to succeed. And um, unfortunately she left our program mid season um, to coach England. Well, that's okay. And then, um, but you know, the work and everything she'd put in place, it was so easy for, for Michael Dyne to then sort of pick it up and, and take it to where we ended up, which is winning. And I think we had a bloody good side at the time, to be honest with you, I sort of look at our side and uh, geez, we had, we had some good players. We had Sophie Devine play four, four games for us. Um, you know, she basically beat Victoria off her own bat. Um, and then, and we just had this edge about us. We were, we were WA. We played with pride. We played the way that we wanted to. We played for each other and we played bloody gritty cricket. And I think um, when I look at that season, it was a, it was a really tough season, but geez, the reward at the end was phenomenal. And, you know, it's something that us as a group, we get to share together um, for the rest of our lives. 100%. You'll never forget that one, Bolts. And so never. so what's next for you? Is it like what sort of work are you doing and do you reckon you'll stay involved involved in cricket at all? I know you're doing some coaching for your club. Yeah, so I'm still coaching and, and playing down at my local club, Subi Florian. So still very much passionate about um, the coaching space, just trying to get as much um, experience as I can in that area and, and grow um, my skills. But also I love, I've got a great affiliation with my club, cric, um, with my club. <clears throat> so um, to be able to still play and coach those girls down there has been huge. And, and I think 
Um, from a professional point of view, I'm in AFL at the moment um, with the footy commission. So just starting out in sort of the community space with, with my boss. Um, so hope, hoping to, again, he, he's sort of taken me under his wing a little bit to um, upskill me with some business literacy and, and make sure that when the time's right for me to fly the nest, I'm in as good a um, spot as anyone to be able to, to go into the next sort of phase. So I'm just blessed that I've got people that are willing to invest in me as a person and, and my skills to be able to keep going on that path and end and up where I want to be. That sounds really good. And so finally, we've got our, um, our Weber barbecues segment, What's Cooking with Weber, <laughs> where um, we ask you who your three dream barbecue guests would be and why. Oh, oh here we go. Yeah, we've put you on the I spot. <laughs> Oh, I know. I really haven't thought about this. And now I feel a little bit like, ah, oh. <laughs> well, my number one is like, and I know I'm a cricket snuff, but is AB DeVos. Okay. <laughs> I just love him. Like that's why I wear the towel in the front of my pants is because AB does uh-huh. it. So I'm like, if I get on my AB, then like maybe I'll be like Mr. 360. <laughs> so he would be number one. Number two would be Michael Jordan. Um, I think like watching the Doco series, like was so interesting. So I would love to like sit him down and just actually like chew the fat because he was a serious athlete. And I think the amount of time that he invested in him, in his skills was incredible. So I think he'd be really interesting to, to sort of speak to. Um, and then, oh, third one. Well, I'd probably like to sit down Mark McGowan and just get an understanding of when the borders are going to be open. <laughs> and because I actually have family in Wagga that are wanting to come home and oh. I really would see them. So I'd probably sit him down and just sort of see if I can scope out when everything's coming into deal. fruition. So that'll be, that'll be an interesting combo. A.B. De Villiers, Michael Jordan and Mark McGowan. Should be some good chats. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about like three people from totally different. I mean, AB and Michael Jordan yeah, they, could chat. Yeah. And then Mark would just be like, it'd be like pretty awesome. Like you'd probably need like a couple of people to, uh, as an icebreaker. Oh, love it. Love it. Well, Bolts, we really appreciate you coming on the scoop. It was really great to chat and thank you for providing so many great insights. It was an absolute pleasure to chat to you and wish you and the Sixers all the best for the rest of the season. We can't wait to see what's to come. Thanks very much for having me. I love listening to this podcast. You guys are doing awesome stuff. So I'm glad I finally made the cut. Cheers for it. Oh, I love it, Bolts. You're a legend. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux, catches... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 